And so tonight, the seventh and final I am statement is, I am the vine, or I am the true vine, as the scripture reads. And I've got a picture up here I want to start with, because I don't know what you think of when you think of vine, right? There's a lot of different kinds of vines in the world. And so when you, when you re, if you just read this word for word, you might be thinking of something different than what Jesus is actually referring to here. You might be thinking of uh, that wonderful vine that you find in the southeast called kudzu. Anybody know what kudzu is? And it just grows on anything. Buildings, light poles, it just grows and keeps growing. It's, it's really difficult to contain. Um, so you might be thinking of something a little, or the, the ivy that grows on your grandma's house. If, if your grandma has ivy growing in her house, not all grandmas do. I get that. Madeline's nodding in the back. Apparently her grandma's house is growing ivy as well. So maybe think of that kind of vine. But what Jesus is referring to is a grapevine, which looks a bit more like this. Well, exactly like this. But um, it's not skinny. It's not frail in its structure. It's actually something very strong that supports the weight of the branches of the entire bush that produces the grapes. So this is a little bit more. I want you to just get the picture in your head of what we're referring to tonight as we read the verses and we break them down. This is the kind of vine that we're referencing. So we're going to jump in, first of all, with John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. And we're only going to get about halfway through verse 5, and then we'll pick it up again in just a, just a moment. So we're going to start there. Jesus said this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And in case you're missing the metaphor altogether, the first half of verse 5, he says it pretty plainly, I am the vine, you are the branches. So a few weeks ago when I did, um, I think when I did the, the I am the gate or I am the door, I told you all sheep, right? Well, tonight you're all branches. All right, everybody say branches. 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 I don't know if that's an upgrade from sheep or a downgrade from sheep, but somewhere in there. So this metaphor is, you're the branches, he is the vine. So we're going to break down the first verse here. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now you've got a, you've got a, um, a definite article in front of there, plus you've got this, the, the true part. He didn't just say, I am a vine, right? Or I'm one type of vine, if you will. He's making a pretty exclusive declarative statement. I am the true vine. So there's exclusivity there. And uh, if you've ever watched an NFL football game, I love football, and at the beginning of every game they do the, the starters, and what they do is they have about a five-second clip of each person that's play, starting in the game. He'll say his name and where he went to college most of the time, and it'll be like, Joe Schmo, the Ohio State University, right? They really emphasize the. And if you, want, if you like, you can kind of do that here too, say the true vine. And so they're making kind of an exclusive stuff. Maybe you do that too. I don't know. It's, it, maybe you walk up to people and you go, where'd you go to school? You go, I went to the University of North Carolina, right? Not one of the other in the chain. Maybe you don't do that. I don't know. But it's certainly worth noting you had the and true back to back here in front of Vine. And so he's saying, what he's saying is, I am the source of life. I am the source of life. Acts 17, 28 also says this, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, 
for we are indeed his offspring. What's actually happening there is Paul is like in Athens talking to all the philosophers of the, t- of, of the city, and he's, um, it's actually, he's actually quoting two different philosophers and saying this is like what it's like to be with Jesus. So secondly, in that first verse we get, my father is the vine dresser. Now this is the person who's in charge of the vineyard, right? Who must care for, provide the right soil, the right amount of water, keep pests under control, and ensure that good fruit is both produced in the vine and not lost at the same time. So he references God the Father as the vine dresser. I just wanted to get you guys through that, get that basic uh, understanding underneath you as we go, go forward here. Verse 2, we pick back up again. It says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, I want to give you a few things out of these first couple of verses and set us up for the next ones. Now, this first one might sound, you might be thinking, Joe, duh, I get it, right? First thing is this, branches are connected to the vine. Oh, wow. Deep, right? There you go. Kind of hits, forehead slap, right? You know, like, I didn't know that, Joe. Awesome. And yet, if you will, sometimes we try to live our lives in such a way as we're actually disconnected from God. So, yeah, of course the branches are connected to the vine, Joe, but sometimes we don't live that way, and we disconnect from the actual source of life. And so it may seem obvious when we talk about actual grapevines, but it may not seem quite as obvious when we talk about our own lives. So I just want to give you that. Branches are connected to the vine. Secondly, they are designed and resourced to bear fruit. The branches, remember you are the branches. I I am a branch as well. We are designed and resourced to bear fruit. Thirdly, a branch that stops producing fruit is no longer sharing in life in the vine or the life of the vine. And fourthly, branches that cease to abide in the life of the vine are removed, are taken away because they are dying, they are withering, and they can be a threat to the whole, the whole vine should they continue that way. Fifthly and lastly, fruitful branches are also disciplined, or if you like, pruned, trimmed. Why? So that they can produce even more fruit. This might include trimming off parts that have been damaged by outside influences like pests or weather, or trimming back parts that are in danger of becoming diseased threatening potentially the life of the whole branch. Pruning can also take away the load that threatens to break the branch or sag it into the soil. I was praying over you guys a few moments ago because I know this is a difficult time. It's why we give out cookies to everybody tonight, right? It's just, it's dark November, as they say. It's that time of the year when you've been pushing hard and you're tired and a lot of stuff is due. A lot of tests are coming up and papers need to be written. And sometimes it can feel like the weight of all that is just more than you can bear, and maybe you're sagging underneath of that. Verse 3 said, Already you are clean because of the word that, is, that I have spoken to you. And what are we talking about there? Clean here is also tra- can be translated to prune and to purify. To prune and to purify. Jesus, number one, is saying that your guilt has been forgiven. You are clean. Your guilt has been forgiven. You have been purified by the word that is Jesus himself. You are now free from corruption, sin, and guilt, blameless, innocent, and therefore ready to bear fruit. Secondly, the vine dresser 
I, was, I had to study this. I don't know if you guys have studied vine dressing, good on you. I just studied it this week. So I'm, I'm just telling you my very limited knowledge of vine dressing. The vine dresser is another word for prune that also means lifted. And here's what it's referring to. The vine dresser would have lifted or pruned the sagging branches out of the soil because what happens with a grapevine is this. If you don't lift the branches, they will sprawl out and grow and go down and sink down into the soil. That's not a good thing when they get down into the soil. What happens? So when the sagging branches get down into the soil, they're prone to pests, they're prone to bacteria, they're prone to too much water sitting on top of them if they've had a lot of rain, for example. So it's not good for the, for the branches to be sagging and down in the soil. But the vine dresser would have lifted those sagging branches out of the soil. He would, he would clean them up, get all the dirt and, the, and, and bugs and other things off of them. And then he would prune back any rotten or diseased parts, right? Damaged parts on this, on this branch. So it wouldn't threaten it anymore. And then to make sure, he would tie up those low-lying branches so that they would stay off the ground and be able to produce fruit. So pruning is an essential task as it removes dead, diseased, or stunted fruits to make room for what? Just, to, just God's discipline and it's just because he wants to? It's like, man, you just got it wrong again. I got I to gotta come down on you. That's why some, people, some of us have viewed God growing up. Maybe your image of God has been a God who's just angry at people that don't do what he wants them to do, and he's just ready to get back at you the moment you mess up and to remind you of it. Some of us as Christians have been brought up that way, and some of us have lived towards others in that way, which is incorrect in both cases. But really, the pruning, the disciplining, is so that, so that you can actually be healthier and produce better fruit in your life. So he makes room by pruning for new growth, ultimately leading to a healthy and productive branch. Having said that, we probably more relate to what it says in Hebrews 12, 11, where it says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. How many of you have been to the gym lately? Right? Is it pleasant when you're in there? Maybe it is to you. I don't know. If you are, you're not right in the head. But right, There's some pain involved that you have to go through to get stronger, to get more flexible, to have more energy, to have more, to have more lung capacity, right? to just be healthier in general. So in the moment, it seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So this is a critical uh, thing for you to consider tonight as we, we move forward is, are we willing to let the vine dresser of our lives prune on us, discipline on us, trim areas of our lives away that are threatening to our well-being? Not always, right? Here's the other thing. When, they do, when you do grapevines, I just learned this as well, is the pruning process actually begins very shortly after planting, usually within a few weeks. And so you might be thinking, man, God, I just, I just, I just dedicated my life to you. I haven't even figured out this church and Jesus and Bible thing and everything yet, and you're already working on me and changing me and, and cutting back areas of my life. Yeah. It's better for you in the long term that you start early. He's not waiting for you until you're a mature Christian, as it were, before he begins to work on you. 
And ultimately, this whole metaphor that we're getting with the vine dresser and the vine is exactly how God interacts with us. He doesn't leave us in the filth of our sin where the threats of our guilt expose us to rot and pests that eat away at our health and our well-being and even our purpose. He lifts us, cleans us up, cuts away the dead areas in our lives, removes us from the threats to our spiritual well-being and maybe even our physical well-being in some cases. Now, I mentioned in that, that last little part right there, purpose. How many of you have ever sat around, if you've never said it out loud, but you thought, God, what's, what's my purpose? What's my, what's your, how about this one? What's your will for my life? All right, well, I'm not going to get individualized on this tonight or into a specific context, but I am going to give you something fundamental. You ready? And this comes from this, this passage. The answer of what God's will for, my, for your life, for my life is, is this. Stay connected to Him and produce fruit. Stay connected to the source of life and produce fruit in your life. It's God's will and purpose that we are connected to Himself, cleansed and forgiven, and produce fruit. Now, I've talked a lot about fruit, and it was just coincidental tonight that we did the furkey. If you don't know what a furkey is, it's a fruit turkey. We did that by accident, in a way. So we're talking about fruit. So let's break that down a little bit further. We stopped about mid-sentence in verse 5. I'll pick it back up here and we'll go through verse 7. He goes on to say, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide, abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered together, or gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So what are, we, what are we seeing here? As long as we abide in God and Jesus by staying in close communion, we draw spiritual nutrition from Him. Whether you accept it tonight or not, you are spiritual beings living in physical bodies, natural bodies in a natural world. You have a soul that goes on and on throughout eternity one way or another. And so... We draw spiritual nutrition from Him if we stay close in communion with Him, if we abide with Him. And here's what happens when you do that. His strength becomes our strength. If you are the branch, you gain the strength of the vine itself. His will also becomes our will. We begin to defer to what God wants because we trust that what God wants is the best for everybody, including ourselves. Ultimately, we bear fruit as we stay connected. And fruit is evidence of our connection and even more than that. So what do we, we talk a lot about fruit again. I'm, I'm going to take you a little bit further in with a few questions. Here's the first one. How many of you have ever taken communion? You ever taken communion? There's two elements usually involved in communion, right? There's, there's a, use a bread in some form. Sometimes it's a wafer. Sometimes it's other types of bread. And then what's the other one? Wine or grape juice, depending on what your denominational, what your church background might be, right? Could it be, here's the first question, could it be that the very symbol of communion with God, wine or fruit of the vine, the symbol of His forgiveness, of His adoption of us as children, could it be that that very symbol is extended, that very symbol of communion is extended through His followers so that others might experience the same sweetness, the same refreshing and life that comes from being one with the vine. Could it be God says, people will commune with me in life 
because of the fruit that you bear by being a branch connected to me and reaching out to others. Could it be that people experience and know God through our lives, the words we speak, the deeds that we do, the actions we take, the character that we have? Could it be? Second question. Are you the branch? Am I the branch that's laying in the dirt, though, trying to produce fruit, but only seeing it fade and rot because it's in the soil, where bacteria attacks and becoming ineffective because we do not let the vine dresser put his hands on our lives? Let me say this, and this is honest. This is an honest conversation right now. We all, including myself, at different times in our walk with Jesus, have said, God, take all of me except maybe this one little part of my life. This one thing that I struggle with. This one thing that I just want to keep control over in my life. You can have the rest, but not everything. Right? That's a little bit like laying, you're the branch laying in the dirt, and you're like, God, yeah, I kind of want you to lift me up. I kind of want you to clean me up, but only under my terms and only in the way I want it to be done. But that's not the way the vine dresser needs to address our lives. So maybe we're that type of branch. Or maybe we're that, the branch that is being lifted up, that is being cleaned and tied up so that others might taste and see that the Lord is good. The sweetness of communion comes from the fruit that we as Jesus' followers, anchored, nourished, strengthened by the vine as branches are to produce. If you surrender to the vine dresser and let God take care of you, if you stay connected to the source of life and let Him nourish you and encourage you and strengthen you, you will produce good things in your life. And not just for yourself, but for others. We had some good fruit tonight. Um, Have you ever, though, eaten fruit directly off a vine or out of a tree? Especially if it's grown wild and it's never no pesticides or anything's ever touched it. Have you ever eaten like and it's ripe? It's amazing, right? It's like the best fruit you've ever had in your life. My family, uh, Michelle and I, take the boys every every summer up to Hillsboro, and there's a blueberry farm up there, and it's been there forever. So the blueberry bushes are as high as the ceiling. I mean, just massive things. And you collect your blueberries and you weigh them at the end, and then you pay on an honor system for your blueberries. But while you go, they don't care if you eat blueberries. So you can eat as many blueberries as you want. And I'm telling you, when you pluck those things, those big fat round ones right off the bush and you eat them, they're just like the most amazing fruit that you've ever had in your life. Here's the thing. I've I've shared this verse with you guys many times, and I hope you take it to heart tonight. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 talks about, it says this, it says, We are His workmanship created for good works and and the rest of that is which he prepared in advance beforehand for us to walk in god has works for you he has fruit for you to bear that he prepared the opportunity the environment yourself to walk in to be in that you might bear good fruit so what are we talking about tonight with fruit i'm going to give you three types okay this is there's you can, it's not a book like, hey, there's only three types of fruit, period. There's, there's other kinds, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to put it in three categories. How about that? The first one is this, the fruit of salvation. 
That is living in such a way that people choose God and place their belief in Him. That you live your life in such a way as to reflect the source of life and the way that you carry yourself, the way that you care for others, that people are drawn into the point that they want to be tied into the source of life themselves, and so they come to believe. That's some really good fruit to have in your life. If you truly believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Savior of the world, the cool thing is then they get to be branches that are grafted into the vine themselves and begin to experience the same nourishment, the same strengthening, and the same purpose and identity that, 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 that they were created, that you were created to be. So they're grafted in. So fruit of salvation. Secondly, fruit of character. And you might be very familiar with this next set of verses here, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. What if we could live in such a way as that's the fruit of our lives? That people know us by those things. They say, wow, she's, she's, she's gentle. She's patient, but yet... In the midst of all her difficulties, she's kind and has got joy and love. Or he's, he practices self-control, and, and that's not something that most of us do. The cool thing is, if we bear this kind of fruit, we get the benefit as well. Right? We get the benefit as well. But others will benefit from us as we live it out and bear that kind of fruit. Others will be drawn to God inside of you as you go and produce that kind of fruit. And thirdly, the other kind of fruit is the fruit of praise. We've already done that somewhat tonight, right? We had a time of praise and worship. And we honored God with it. Hebrews 13, 15 says this, Through Him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. As we praise God for what He's done and who He is, as we point people back to the vine, to the source of life, and acknowledge all that He is, we're lifting up praise to God in the process. Another great fruit to bear in your life. But you've got to abide to bear fruit. Yeah, because it says in verse 5, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he or she, if you will, people, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Abiding has a couple of, of, of meanings to it, and yet you're right on it, which is this. Remaining in is one thing. Remaining in Christ, abiding in Christ. What does that mean? Abiding in His Word. Well, where do you get His Word? Well, we have, we're, we're actually, for the last seven weeks, have been studying His Word, even just His I Am statements, but there's much more than that in the Bible as well that you can go and study. So remaining in His Word. It also means dwelling with, and it carries the, the depth of relationship that would, would be best explained as intimacy. Right? So abiding with Christ, abiding with God, is not a shallow, superficial thing that you say, I can take Him or I can leave Him. It's actually saying, no, I'm going to live with God in an interconnected, tight way, and nothing is going to shake me or tear me apart from this relationship. I'm going to stay close. So abiding in the vine means receiving, believing, and trusting in the words of Jesus. It means receiving the love of Jesus for the Father and for His people and the joy that Jesus has in the Father and in us. And it also means sharing the joy, the love, the words, 
that you get with Jesus. So what happens when we abide, when we remain, if you will? Here we go. We're hitting there real quick. Yeah, we're almost there. Remaining in Christ, number one, makes us fruitful. Number two, remaining chooses interdependency. And this is the one that we don't like. This is where I referenced earlier. It's like, do we as a branch let let the vine dresser actually get into our life, get into our personal space, right? Start cutting away some of those relationships we need to let loose. Start healing some things, cleaning up some things in our lives. We're choosing interdependency when we remain, we abide. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This doesn't literally mean nothing when you read this part in the verse. You can't do anything apart from me. Okay, certainly there's people that don't believe in God that can do a lot of things, right? Can do many good things. What it's really saying is you cannot build anything eternal. You cannot build my kingdom apart from me. The only thing that you can build apart from the vine, apart from the source of life, apart from God is you can build your own kingdom. That's what you can build. And thirdly, remaining in Christ makes us more insightful and prayerful. What does that mean? If you remain in Jesus and His Word in you, then you will know how He thinks and be able to honor His intentions. Why is that important? All the staff that you see around Chi Alpha, we actually have to raise all the money that we, just, to, just to live and to be on campus and to make furkies and all kinds of stuff like that. Right? We, just, we, we have to raise all that money to do what we do. But what we have to honor is the intention of people that give us money to be here on campus and to be with you. So if they say, hey, I want this money to go to, to, to Jane to go on a mission trip, then we have to honor that, that that's where that money goes. If you guys give an offering tonight or in the days ahead towards Kira and her family, that's where 100% of that has to go. You have to honor the intent of the giver. In the same way, when you remain in Jesus you begin to honor the intent of Him, His intentions. Sometimes those need to be greater than our own. So what's happening here is prayer is honoring the intent of Jesus and asking and acting accordingly. So prayer is honoring the intent of Jesus and asking and acting accordingly. So when you read these verses, it's not like you just, he's ask whatever you want in my name and it'll be given to you, right? Some people have taken that as like, well, I want a new Lexus. That's what I want, God. So you got to give it to me. It's whatever you, I ask in your name. That's not literally what it's meaning. You've got to ask according to God's character, according to God's purposes, according to God's intentions, and then he will meet the prayer where it's at according to that. In other words, it's like Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he's about to die. And he prays his prayer, God, not my will be done, but yours. He conforms his will and his intentions back to the purposes and the identity that he was destined to have from the beginning. And so should we as the branches in the vine. So remaining in God makes us purposeful. And remaining in Christ also, guys, makes us joyful. Because we are drawing joy from the one who truly gives it. We're going to finish right here and then we're going to have a time of prayer. John 15, 8 through 11 says this. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. 
abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, if you're wondering how to abide in his love, if you keep in my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. You know, one of the hardest things I've ever had to accept in following Jesus is that God sometimes is happy with me. Have you ever felt that way? Is, have you ever thought about this, that God actually can be joyful about you? He's like, wow, you are, you are with me. You love me because you live accordingly and you bear fruit. You do good things in the world. You love people well because you love me. You love others well because I have loved you. You love others well. And that makes God happy. Right? And it should to us as well. I'm going to ask that the, the worship team that's coming back going to play quietly. We're going to do a little something different here to close out. We're going to just take a moment and we're going to be prayerful. Okay? We're not going to put you in groups tonight. I'm not going to single you out or anything. I want you, though, to go back to the picture that we started with of the vine, all that fruit in your life. Or maybe it's just potential fruit. Maybe you feel like, I haven't produced anything yet. I haven't done anything worth, worthy of note yet. And I want you to, to, to hold that image in your head as you, as you take this time to prayerfully listen to what God's going to say to you. As we were praying prior to you guys coming in tonight, I just sensed that the Holy Spirit was saying this. God wants to speak to you individually tonight. I don't know what He's going to say to you. I'm not going to pretend to know what He's going to say to you. But in this, these next few moments, I want you to attune your heart. I want to attune your mind to that image of you being the branch tied into the vine with the design, with the identity, and the purpose to bear fruit in this world. Why? That it may go well with you, yes. But that you may draw others in to God Himself as well. That they may experience the same strengthening, the same nourishment, the same purpose in knowing that you are where you ought to be. That you are becoming the person that God wants you to be. So I just want you to close your eyes for a minute. David's going to keep playing quietly. And I'm just going to give you some things. We're going to be praying over this. I want you to be in a prayerful spirit. You can be quiet. You can be still. You can use your own words. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel more like the branch that's sagging in the soil. You're thinking, maybe I've done what I thought I was supposed to do. I've tried to live my life well, but things just are, are heavy and not going in the right direction. And there's parts of my life right now that just aren't going well. If that's you tonight, I, I think God's saying this to you. Just keep your eyes closed and listen for a moment. Not just to me, but to, to the Holy Spirit. I think God's knocking on your heart's door and He's saying, let me pick you up. 
Let me clean you up. Trust that the areas that you need to change in your life, the areas that need to be pruned back and trimmed, it's going to make you stronger, even though it may not feel like that right now. That's a word for some of you tonight, maybe many of us. Let God's word sink in your heart tonight. Deep down in there. And he's calling to you to respond to him. Maybe you feel a little bit like, yeah, I've been with God, I've been with him, and yet I feel like I'm drying up. I don't know, something's missing. Maybe there's a... There's a, there's a broken part of my branch and it's just I'm not, not feeling like I'm with him all the time. Or that I'm getting from him what I need. Again, I would say let God bind you back up. Maybe he needs to, to, to regraft you in. To support you. And I want to encourage some of you tonight too. I believe the Holy Spirit saying this to some of you. You are bearing fruit. You are bearing fruit. You are producing good things in this world. You are having good, positive, godly impacts on people around you. And though you might not see the fruit or the outcome of that, He's using you for that. And in the midst of not knowing the outcomes, he's just saying, trust me. Trust me. Continue to produce the praise, the fruits of praise, by praising him in those moments too. Just going to take a moment. Just keep your eyes closed. Just in your heart, in your spirit, just be in a listening mode to what God would say to you. Man, He cares for you. He cares for you deeply. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our lives. We invite you into this space in this moment. You don't need an invitation, but we want you here. Speak to us in only ways, in ways that only you can. In ways that that heal us, strengthen us, encourage us, that teach us to live again with purpose, with the identity that you gave us from the beginning of the world, having been created in your image. Your workmanship created for good works that you prepared it beforehand for us to walk in. That we might bear fruit in our lives, Lord, that honors you, but also nourishes and strengthens others. That also allows others to connect with you through our lives in ways that they otherwise wouldn't. 
And Lord, for those of us that are the branches and striving hard to live for you, help us. Help us to grow. We surrender our lives before you tonight, Lord, and we say, whatever you've got to cut back, cut back. Whatever you need to clean up, clean up. But help us to be healthy and whole and not go back into the places and spaces that harm us and hurt us and take away from who we are and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live in this world. That in all things, in all ways, Lord, all people might be grafted into your vine. That we might be reminded daily and moment to moment and in every situation that you are the good shepherd. That you watch over us and you lead us to good pastures, to good places. That you are the gate and the door that, that if we trust you and we choose you and we come inside to be with you, we are safe from external threats, from spiritual threats, from physical threats. Remind us, Lord, that though things might be dead in our lives, you can resurrect them and bring them back to life and heal them, that we might be a greater testimony than we've ever been of your, your goodness that you are truly the bread of life, that, that we can draw all the nourishment we need to live from you. Remind us tonight. Show us again in our lives, Lord. And no matter what comes, we will give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, for you alone are worthy of it, you alone are fully trustworthy. You alone are good through and through and never changing. So Lord, we surrender our lives to you tonight. And we say, take us, shape us, lift us, help us to be all that you created us to be, that you might be honored, that we might live well, but that others may come to live in the light with you as well. We ask all these things tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.